He's Howard Eibach, a former copywriter and creative director and the author of two books on the creative brief. And he's Henry Gomez, an ad agency strategist with over 26 years of experience. Together, we're the Brief Brothers. We love to talk about creative briefs, briefing, and advertising. We're back for another episode, Henry. And today we're going to talk about something that we've been batting around a bit off camera that we thought we should have really covered over the course of our year and a half or so being on, on, uh, in, on the air. But it's actually something that comes before the brief, and that's the whole idea of strategy. You know, and it's kind of a bugaboo. It, one man's strategy is another man's who knows what. You brought up the notion that um, sometimes when we get an RFP, an agency gets an RFP, that whole process prompts the desire to find out on behalf of the client what their strategy should be. We've heard from our friends, Peter Paul, Von Wheeler, and Matt Davies of betterbriefs.com that their survey discovered that up to 60% of marketers admitted that they use the creative process to figure out the strategy. And in my own workshop training, I've heard marketers say to me, well, when we do our, our strategy brief, what we want to do is, and then I stop and say, well, what do you mean by the strategy brief? And then we have this discussion that goes back and forth. So it's, it's a ripe topic for discussion, even though it's really not relevant to or directly relevant to what we have been talking about for the last year and a half, which was elements of the creative brief, because strategy first, then you can write the brief. So I know you've got some thoughts on this topic. I'm going to kind of turn it over to you to get us started. What do you think about this nebulous thing called strategy? Yeah, I, it is nebulous. And I think that that's the first like bullet point I would put out there. I mean, we, we have to be very um, precise in our language when we're talking about things like strategy. So strategy can come at various levels. There's business strategy, right? Like a corporation decides, you know, what business are we going to be in? Um, what, uh, 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 you know, what's our model going to be? Are we going to be chasing profit? Are we going to be chasing share? Are we a startup that's trying to gain users so that then we can go public? Like there's a business strategy element, which is the very most, the most fundamental thing when you're organizing a business. And then there's marketing strategy, right? Which is, well, how are we going to market this product? And that's about, you know, who is our target audience? Um, who, uh, what should our price be? Um, where are we going to be competing? Um, what is our position against the competitors um, and things like that? And then there's advertising strategy. So, um, you know, just like advertising does not equal marketing, advertising strategy does not equal uh, brand strategy or business strategy. They're three different things. Now, where it gets nebulous is that agencies are sometimes invited or sometimes requested, or sometimes uh, because of a vacuum, are forced to provide brand or marketing strategy to a client rather than just strictly advertising strategy. So when we say advertising strategy, I think the creative brief is the tip of the spear of advertising strategy. It's the, what is our message? Uh, how are we going to say it? What's our tone? Like, it's very tactical. Um, the brand strategy comes before that. And it's like, you know, what do we stand for? What are we, you know, what products do we have? 
what, well, how do we price them? How do we distribute them? Uh, how do we position ourselves against the client? But like I said, there's a lot of blurriness. Um, and frankly, it's always been that way. You know, in the dawn of modern advertising, when really the only media that were available was newspapers, um, the, the advertisers were generally companies that were manufacturers. And they would sell their products to wholesalers who would then sell their products to retailers, right? Um, and so they started advertising, but there was no marketing expertise um, in these companies. They, If you were the Hoover vacuum cleaner company, you build vacuum cleaners and you sold them to a wholesaler. You didn't know marketing. You didn't know consumers. And it was really the Procter & Gamble's of the world, mainly Procter & Gamble, that kind of developed the discipline of marketing and marketing brands and managing brands and managing multiple brands. Um, so, um, you know, there's always been this conflation, but then in like the 1950s, 1960s, ad agencies created marketing departments so that they could offer their clients marketing consulting, basically. And then in the 70s and 80s, all those clients brought marketing in-house, right? Like all the marketing clients now are in-house. And so agencies devolved back to just creating advertising. Uh, but it's always been fuzzy with agency straddling. And so an RFP, as we were talking about, is a good example. It's an aperture, right? Like when the client is thinking about a new ad agency, the way I like to talk about it is during an RFP process, the client is dreaming about what his brand might be, what his company might be able to be. And so the agencies are coming in and they're, they're feeding those fantasies. Look, you could do this and this is how you're going to win. And so I think that's an aperture where beyond just advertising, a lot of times uh, agencies will come in with marketing ideas, ideas that go beyond just the communication, just beyond advertising, but maybe into, have you thought about introducing this type of product? Or have you thought about introducing a sub-brand? Or have you thought about, you know, um, consolidating these two competing brands that you have? So there's sometimes an aperture there to talk about strategy, um, brand strategy. Now, assuming that that doesn't happen, it, an RFP is always a situation where you're the the agencies are introducing advertising strategy. It's like, that's where they say, look, we're going to use um, uh, 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 an endorsement campaign from real users of our product. And we're going to have this tone and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And this is, this is the strategy that we're proposing for the advertising uh, reacting to what we understand about your brand strategy, right? So the brand strategy can manifest itself in many different advertising strategies. It's not because again, it's like a pyramid, right? Like you, you have options. Um, when you, when you get down to communications, you have a lot of choices to make. So I, I do see the trend of what Peter Paul and um, Matt uh, talk about that what you find is eight uh, clients that are lost will have a review so that they can find something to latch on to. Imagine being uh, on uh, you were on a ship that sank and you're like hanging on to like some 
flotsam and jetsam and you're just in a stormy sea and you're hanging on you're looking for anything that you could grab onto the agencies pre prevent present you a lifeboat and say hey what about we do this and you say oh yeah let's do that and then it tends to influence and i've seen that on on many occasions right. is that the way it's supposed to work no it's not supposed to work that way the clients are supposed to know what they're doing they're supposed to have received the business strategy from the CEO and the board of directors and the CFO, and they're supposed to have developed a brand or marketing strategy uh, for the brand. And then they present that in, to the agencies in a way that shows their expertise on their own brand. And then the agencies ideate against that to come up with an advertising strategy or a camp advertising campaign. But in reality, as we've talked about with with Mark Ritson, um, I was just going to say, <laughs> and, and others, um, there's a real lack of preparation, thought, time, depth it, 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 on the client side. So they need help, and that's why we see, you know, clients go, reaching out to people like Accenture and McKinsey and the the consultants because. They don't know what their strategy should be. So they're going out and hiring outside consultants. Like I said, sometimes they result, resort to agencies. And then the consultants have really gotten now in between the agencies and, and, and the clients. Um, and now we see a couple of years ago, Accenture bought Droga5, you yeah. know, big, big, reputable, famous ad agency. So there is a lot of blurring, frankly, in the worlds of marketing communication and, and strategy. One of the things that I've noticed, because I teach from actual briefs, real briefs written by real agencies for real products, and they tend not to be things like, you know, social justice causes, they're for consumer packaged goods. Uh, the, uh, the briefs that I use to teach, and you've seen some of them, and we've talked about them, never have a question that says, what is the strategy? What are your thoughts about that? Do you, do you think that this, the brief should include a statement of the strategy, or is that something that you, you inculcate uh, you know, at the agency before you write a brief, and it's sort of part of the, the culture of the agency of, of, among those who are working on the account? So uh, in... in in my case, uh, what I do a lot of times is I'll have a background section. So the first thing is say, what's, what's the, the backstory here? What's the background? And in that, I'm going to touch on the important things about the business and about the marketing strategy. It's not going to be written like a marketing dissertation or anything like that. It's just so that the creatives understand, okay, so our client is number one in cat treats. And cat treats is a relatively new category that's been around X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, and give them the background that's leading up to the need for this assignment. So I try to fill in the blanks. I I, I take it upon myself to understand that brand strategy as deeply as I can. In case there's a question, a question is asked of me, the client isn't going to be there to answer that at the briefing. I have to answer right. it on behalf of the client. So I have to kind of be an expert, but I also have to be judicious in how much I layer on to a, a brief and in a, in a briefing. The other thing I'll add is, you know, one of my early mentors in the business um, had come up through YNR. 
and YNR, like a lot of the big reputable New York agencies of the time in the 80s, they had really good account planning departments and they had really forward thinking strategists and planners. And uh, she inculcated me uh, in the YNR way of doing things at the time. And YNR had uh, not just one brief, they had a couple of, they had, I think, four different documents that they used. Mm-hmm for different occasions. And so one of them was what was called the brand brief. And the brand brief was that brand strategy, like, you know, all of the, you know, the the bigger picture things that might not be in a creative brief, but there was like a sequential, like if, if the brand didn't have a strategy, then we would use this brief to arrive at one, we get the client to approve it. And then from there, we could develop like a tactical creative brief for a campaign for a print campaign for whatever it was that, that was being developed. So I, I, I still keep those examples, even though the documents are probably 40 years old, <laughs> because these things are like fundamental. Like, it's like, right. you know, what a business are we in? Uh, what, you know, who are our main competitors? Um, those are things that you, that are important to developing br- brand strategy um, that, you don't necessarily want to get that granular in a creative brief, but you do want to have agreement with the client on, um, you know, before you go in and present them creative to avoid those disconnects that we've talked about a lot. It's like, we present this work and they're like, why are we doing this again? And it's like, well, because, you know, it was our interpretation of what you told us, but there was no communication in between. Let's talk about this brand brief document that you said you encountered at YNR. You know, I've worked at YNR too in my way back when I was, you know, living in LA. Um, is there? Would you add be an advocate for bringing it back, for using it more often, for for helping the client, or using it to help the client figure out what they really want to want to accomplish? A hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. By the way, I I worked at DDB. They had a similar document. It was called Brand Foundations, um, which basically interrogated the brand about like what the brand is about, so that everybody would be on on the same page. Um, the 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 caveat in my case, in my specific case, is that I spent almost every minute of my career working in the multicultural space. Right. So that's like one step and I hate to say below, but it's one step below the general market agency, right? So in a lot of cases, we are receiving strategy that already exists for the brand in general. And then it's my job to interpret that for our specific multicultural law. We are um, uh, downstream of the overall strategy. So in that sense, I don't, I do have experience doing brand planning um, at, here at Zuby, the agency I'm at now, <coughs> excuse me, we we pitched and won a um, a quick service restaurant chain that was moving that was uh, opening their first stores in North America in Miami is a chain from Spain, and so this wasn't a Hispanic pitch. It was a pitch to be their agency launching this brand into the United States, specifically into Miami. So in our capacity as an agency headquartered in Miami, that was fully bilingual and can speak to the Spanish clients, and uh, we presented to them a brand strategy. Now, 
there is there also in that case was a brand strategy the one of the the master brand in spain but they recognize we need a, a u.s strategy and it might mm -hmm. be a little bit different than the spanish strategy which is what we told them and then we sold them on that and we 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 pitched the business and we we won the the business so there have been occasions where i've i've worked on brand strategy but it's not generally generally i'm doing some sort of interpretation of a brand strategy for a niche audience or a segment um usually hispanic well I, you know, I'm perfectly comfortable saying that I don't have experience in the, you know, the strategy side of things because I, I teach, I'm a former creative and I, you know, worked with the briefs and my interest and expertise now is in fashioning a brief and understanding what a good brief is. But as I've said many, many times, and we've talked about this as well, the strategy has to come first. You can't write a brief without the strategy, even though member clients, marketers try to do it unsuccessfully, I think. So that leads me to the question. I think it'd be kind of a fun exercise to take a look at an example of a, of a brand brief to see the differences between a brand, what a brand brief looks like, even just as a blank template. But also if you had one completed, or we could do one, just to show the differences. I yep. Mean, we, you know, I think we're we both agree that we want to bring to our show, the Brief Brothers, more examples of finished creative briefs, student briefs, professional briefs. Um, even we've even talked about bringing on some acknowledged bad briefs as a way to to show, to demonstrate, to teach. So, um, can you just give me a sense of what kind of a question a brand brief might ask that I, might I don't be have it off, I don't have it off the top of my head, but they're generally okay. going to be one step above or bigger picture than what we would see in an advertising creative brief, right? It's right. more about, you know, uh, there might be questions about how was this brand founded? Um, mm. wh um, uh, what industry does it compete in? Um, what, you know, those types of things um, that would orient you at, at a bigger picture level than just the tactical execution of right. advertising. So you're not trying you're not trying to solve a specific problem. You're trying to identify where you're, the brand sits. You identify where it sits, but also with an eye toward what does that open for us in terms of pathways forward as a brand. Right. So part of it is knowing your history, know where you've come from so that you can know what the next step should be in the direction that you want to go in. Um, and so I think what that speaks to is going back to the rigor and the expertise that clients should have in a lot of cases don't have. And, you know, one of the things that we, we, we talked about in the last episode that we recorded, we were breaking down, you know, some documents from Burger King and it was an example of a very well-defined brand and that had a very well-defined brand strategy um, that the, the people at the agencies that were executing tactically had all been indoctrinated, but that's because the client had been indoctrinated. Everybody at the client, everybody was singing from the same hymn sheet, right? Um, and I think mm -hmm. that if that's the overarching, uh, I guess, lesson for our listeners is, especially the ones that are on the client side, is they should be striving to make sure that everybody's singing from the same hymn sheet, that there's right. no 
uh, nebulous nature to what is our brand strategy so that then you go and hire an agency to give you an advertising strategy, but there's they don't have to guess at what your brand strategy is, nor do they have right. to bring you a brand strategy. Um, I think it's fair game if, if you don't have a brand strategy and you need help to ask the agency for the help. But by the way, you should also be compensating them for that. It shouldn't come as yeah. a bonus. Like you hired an ad agency <laughs> and now they're developing your entire brand strategy. That is very valuable work that is frankly yeah. worth hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And it's not something they're going to do in a week. It takes a lot of research and time. Now, one of the things that you've talked about a number of times as a way to truly understand what the strategy is, is to listen in on the investor call and listen to what the CMO or the CEO is saying about you know, the next quarter, the next three quarters, the next year. Are there other things along those lines that we could recommend to our listeners who happen to be marketers to help them ask the right questions to get at a strategy if, there's not, if they're not clear about it? Yeah, so I, I, I'm a big advocate of, of, like you said, listening to the quarterly investor calls at these publicly held corporations. You have a client, they're paying you money. You get on, you get to listen directly from the horse's mouth. Uh, what their objectives and their priorities are. Now, that'll give you an insight into business strategy. Um, there might be a little bit of marketing strategy in there, but it'll be mainly business strategy. Mm -hmm. But like I said, you understand one, then you can start understanding the next level, and then it gives you a clear path down to advertising strategy. Uh, annual reports, same thing, right? Like, you know, every year, you know, it used to be, uh, by the way, I, I'm sure you know this, um, creating annual reports, writing them and laying them out used to be like a huge revenue thing for oh. agencies. Like these were yeah. like big produced glossy books with like, you know, every year had a theme and any, like, I mean, you don't like now they're PDFs that you download from the website. And at a certain point it became unfashionable to have a very fancy um, annual report because yep investors would say, well, they're spending, what are they spending all this money on this annual report for? Like, this is, should be a lot more plain Jane. Um, but it used to be a huge uh, bank of business for agencies and design shops to mm -hmm. come up with the annual reports e each year. Um, yes. But yeah, annual reports are, 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 are good. Um, you know, interviews, look, find out, you know, your client is out there talking to uh, ad age or marketing week or whatever. They're unfiltered speaking that, you know, I, I podcasts, you know, I, I gave the example, you know, one of the things was um, the initiative, the idea that our agency came up with Burger King that won us the lion at can, you know, one of the big breakthroughs for me was finding an interview with the then CMO of the company where he right. spoke at length about what his strategy was and what the brand strategy was. And so stuff is out there you just have to hunt for it and and find it yeah this is the whole at, at attitude of being the intrepid uh sherlock holmes for lack of a better you know term and i think one of the stories that i told in my in the first maybe the second edition of my book how to write an inspired creative brief i don't think it made it into the third edition was that story about the capodastro bar and you used you used to tease me about every episode. I'd tell the story of the Capodastro bar, and I, I haven't talked about it in a number of episodes, so I have to catch up. 
But the, the essential story was the copywriter digs and digs and, and meets someone at the manufacturing plant who'd been around forever and gave him an insight into what made the product, which in this case was a piano, its, its special qualities. But the point was, you be, have to be intrepid. You have to really be interested in researching and care enough about digging in to deep. And if you do that, it's the chances are, are much more likely that you're going to uncover something that no one else knows about. And that could be a great insight. Well, that's like the anecdote that I give, I've given many times about, I went to the Miami ad school and I gave him a brief on a, a you know, an also ran auto parts chain. Right. And, and before I gave him the brief, I looked on the map and there were two within like a couple of miles of the ad school. And walking so distance when they were, when they were presenting, uh the the work to me i asked the class i said how many of you went and visited a store and only one team that the copywriter and the art director raised their hand and i said yep. guys let this be a lesson to you you missed out on a huge opportunity you had i looked it up you had two stores within walking distance of where we're sitting right now it would have taken you half an hour to go there talk to the manager, talk to a couple of customers, walk the aisle, see what they look like and get a feel for the place. I said, nothing's going to replace that. Like I could tell you about it all I want, but until mm -hmm. you're in there and you experience it. And by the way, randomness, right? Like somebody might say something that triggers something in your head, you know, right. one of right. one of, you know, randomness is one of the ingredients of creativity. And I, I absolutely, I, there's a chapter um, of a speech that I gave at Miami at school, frankly, the same week um, where I talk about randomness. And so you have to put yourself out there in the world and experience randomness in order to catch these lightning in a bottle insights that, that will help you get better work than you would get if you didn't. One of the things that you've talked about a number of times was that when you work with creatives, some are more strategically minded than others. And this isn't a, a criticism, it's just a, rea a fact. Um, and I've often wondered if, you know, when I was a practicing creative, how strategic I was. It's kind of immaterial now that I'm no longer practicing. But the fact that you asked that question of your class, how many of you went to visit the store, which is so close, I think reveals the one team that did, they are probably a little more strategically inclined because they they made the effort to go and see the store to experience what it was actually like where the product lived. So, you know, I think creatives, well, I think we both would acknowledge that creatives used to own this process back in the 40s and 50s before account planning came around and the Bill Burnbox and the Ogilvy's of the world probably felt that it was the responsibility and the proprietary responsibility of the creative department to do these kinds of things. And, and now it's a little bit more delineated. Yeah, it's like, yeah. More diffuse. But uh, I think it's still, it's still important to identify that creatives should stand up to take, a, to take a role in the whole process of understanding what the strategy should be when there's a little lack of clarity. Yeah, I, so I never had- and Even the... though that their responsibility is primarily tactical, yeah, I was going to say I never had the benefit of working with you, Howard, but knowing your story and how it is that we're sitting here across from each other, talking to each other, I got to believe you were a strategic creative. You were the one that was challenging what was being given to you. You were the one that was digging um, and probing and saying, why is this the way that it is? And that's how I got into strategy was like, yeah. 
we were doing something for a client. I said, why are we doing this? Well, the client said so, said, but why are we doing it? And nobody was asking those questions. Why in our agency? And I said, we should be asking questions. Why? And I found out, well, it's the strategist's job to do that. I said, well, then I guess I'm going to be a strategist. And that's well, how I, yeah. I found myself in, in the role. You, you asked the questions, you became a strategist. I asked the questions and I got fired. <laughs> but it gave you a, a second career now yes, as a trainer and as a, as an author uh, yep, on, exactly. on writing creative briefs. So here we are. I like it a lot better too. So, all right. Good stuff, Henry. Good stuff, Howard. He's Henry Gomez. And he's Howard Eibach. And together, we're the Brief Brothers. Till next time. Bye-bye.